Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the game day podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis, and Talk Sports transfer guru, Alex Crook, on a heavyweight weekend at the top and bottom of the Premier League. Bamiang's in the centre, Lacazette is joining, right footed, brilliant finish. Bullet finish from the 12-yard mark, low and hard beyond Alex Palmer, and it's six for Arsenal. Running riot at the Hawthorns, putting their troubles behind them, for now at least. Maybe the challenge now is can we stay there? That gives me something to ask the players. And it's a dream start for West Ham United, and Mikel Antonio is back amongst the goals once again. So many great fixtures to look forward to, including Liverpool against Chelsea, live and exclusive on TalkSport, and Arsenal against Manchester City. So we'll look at all the team news that has been coming in ahead of the weekend's clashes and look back at some of the EFL Cup ties after Arsenal hit West Bromwich Albion for six. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. And a big hello to Darren Lewis. You all right? I'm very well, thank you. I'm surprised to see you. You're in the studio again today. I know. Well, I enjoyed it so much last week, I thought I'd come again. Yeah. I mean, you, you were in the wrong studio, but you're in the right one now, which Only is because good. you were in that studio five minutes before me. Yeah, but I was just taking selfies. Well, everyone knows that you're so important. So <laughs> I think that if you go into the studio, that's the place to be. Oh, that's where you should be. Um, okay. Alex Crook, you are right. Good. I'm good. It's, it's nice to see you um, to fully see you closed, nice. unlike at four o'clock this morning. What are you trying to say? Just a, a suspect picture um, that eagle-eyed uh, Twitter followers spotted that your flies may have been at half-mast as you made your way in to do breakfast on uh, Thursday morning. I don't think that's true, actually. I think they, I think people have doctored that photograph. I don't think that was anything to do with me. Um, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating week, hasn't it, of Carabao Cup action. I mean, the gulf between some of the Premier League clubs and some of the EFL clubs has been startlingly wide, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. In some cases, uh, in others... Not really. I don't read anything into the demolition of uh, West Brom by Arsenal. I mean, that's like a, a racehorse going, looking fast, going past trees in some <laughs> respect. Um, <laughs> I just, I, look, they played their B team. And for the first, what, 15, 20 minutes, the B team, West Brom, did very well. And you just think to yourself, had they played their A team and had similar chances, they probably would have been one up, possibly even two. I love the well-worked corner. Um, and there was a lot to like about the way that they played. But Arsenal, obviously, were too strong. City at the weekend is going to be 
a more serious test and I don't think they're going to pass it. Get to that in just a second. Um, it would have been ironic, wouldn't it, if Southampton would, would have won 9-0 in midweek, Crook? Mm. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of talk about that on, on Twitter, actually. It was the biggest away victory in their history. Uh, obviously, Broher getting off to uh, a goal-scoring start, Teller excelling. So, yeah, lots of confidence for them. It's been a good week, hasn't it, backing up that 1-1 draw at home t- to Manchester United. Maybe they're not quite the, the crisis club that some people were painting them out to be. Hold on, I'm just going to help you out. Sorry, mate, I hope that makes sense. So it's Armando Broja. He said apparently in Albania they can say Broja, but in English it's Broja. Anyway, hope that helps, mate. Thank you very much. Always good to be educated. There you go. Just thought we'd help you out. Uh, Right, let's get to the football. What an outstanding performance from Manchester City. Man City 5, Norwich City 0. We pressed so so high, so intense. We regained the ball high of the pitch. And after with the ball, everyone was there, calm. We played really good. Manchester City have taken the lead. Raheem Sterling midway through the first half. It's very dangerous to write them off no matter whether they get Kane or not they will find ways Booze ringing around the Emirates it's now two defeats in a row for Arsenal the position that we are in is not where we want to be and we should not accept it the next Premier League trip is up to Manchester City a daunting task for Mikel Arteta if they stick with Arteta they are going to finish in the bottom half of the table they're miles off it they've got no direction no plan A week is a long time in football, isn't it? A week ago, the vultures circling around Mikel Arteta. Kane was going to make City unbeatable. Arsenal now basking in the glory of that 6-0 win. Feeling good. Aubameyang's got a hat-trick. They're strutting around. Everything's going to be okay. And Kane is not going to go to Manchester City. And Pep is leaving in 2023. Disaster is going to strike. Well, maybe not. Um, We can read into all of these things a little bit too much, can't we? I think when we get to the end of the weekend, City would have won to nil. Mm, Yeah, City will win easily on Saturday to nil. I I don't know anybody who reads anything into the win for Arsenal over West Brom. I think everybody knows the context of that. I think as far as City are concerned, Pep's throwing his toys out the pram. He really wanted Kane. My understanding is that financially they couldn't do the deal. And Kane, in in some respects, he, he made a schoolboy error that he probably won't make again. But he came out and he said, look, he put his cards on the table. And when you do that, all of us have watched enough football, covered enough football, covered enough transfer windows to know you only ever really do that if you are certain that the club you want to go to and the club that wants you is prepared to put the money down. If they're not, you're setting fire to your reputation and you're leaving yourself behind the white ball. Yeah, well, he's left himself into a, in a very difficult situation now, hasn't he? Although, apparently, he's going to be rewarded for his loyalty with an extra £100,000 a week. <laughs> um, That's fair enough. Yeah, it's up to them. Well, well you, you don't sound like it's, it's fair enough. Um, he's got three years left on his contract. If there was no imperative to sell, there's no imperative to extend his contract, isn't Yeah, it? but if they value him at £150 million pounds plus... If they're putting a release clause in his contract, I can understand why they get him to sign a new one. But yeah. unless that's happening, I don't think there's much point. If you're in his situation, and I would imagine everybody listening now, if the club are saying you can't go to what would represent a better job, you've got to stay, then you would say, well, if, if I'm staying, I want a contract that reflects my value to the organisation but if Tottenham are playing hardball and have been playing hardball so far there's no reason for them to do so if they've still got three years they can wait a year and decide what to do next would year would they really want his value to go down I don't think his value's going anywhere because I don't think he now is going to be going anywhere do you? yeah but even so he still has a value and as a football club you have to protect the asset and so if you want to do that and 
in two years' time, another club might come along. Look at Ronaldo. Juventus know he wants to go. They still want £25 million for him mm. because he's under contract. He still has a value. Well, we'll see. Um, the match itself, if anyone should have an understanding of how the weaknesses in the Manchester City lineup work, it's their assistant manager from a couple of seasons ago, Mikel Arteta. But uh, his record against them is not very good, apart from that one game in the FA Cup semi-final, Crook. Yeah, when he was held a bit of a, a tactical genius. But actually, I think if you watch the game back 99 times out of 100, Arsenal will lose that game. They sucked up a lot of pressure. Obviously, scored a good goal on, on the counter-attack. But I'm not sure it was a, a tactical masterclass. Uh, better to be lucky than good is the old saying. And I certainly think they were that day. Um, they'll take confidence from midweek. I know it was only against West Brom's reserves. And Sam and I got wind of the team sheet 24 hours before the game. And I think we both feared that Arsenal would run away comfortable winners. But Aubameyang looks somewhere near back to Matt Sharpness scoring that hat-trick. Also had a Finney Val dig at his critics afterwards that the players are 100% committed. It's easy to show that against West Bromwich Albion kids. I would suggest it's a, a different matter against Manchester City. I think they'll be better for the experience in midweek Arsenal, but very difficult to make a, a case for anything other than a Manchester City win. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see what City do do now uh, between now and the end of the transfer window because um, when I spoke to somebody well-connected there about Ronaldo a few weeks ago, they said, we've got our number one target. We're still confident of getting him. Clearly, that was Harry Kane. That hasn't happened. Do they now take the plunge for Ronaldo? I think Darren's already alluded to the fact they're reluctant to pay any kind of transfer fee. Or do they go with Gabriel Jesus? Pep Guardiola speaking glowingly about him after the first game of the season. Do they go with a false number nine? Either way, I think they're significantly weaker now than Chelsea are having signed Romelu Lukaku. So for me, Chelsea have eclipsed Manchester City as favourites to win the Premier Crook, League. If they sign Ronaldo, who's favourites to win the league? Still Chelsea, in, in my opinion. This is um, this is a Ronaldo at the veteran stage of his career as opposed to Lukaku who is coming into the peak of his career. So I, I would still make Chelsea favourites. I think it would be exciting for Manchester City. It would be a nightmare uh, for Manchester United fans to see Ronaldo in that sky blue shirt. A lot of people are saying, well, he wouldn't do it. You know, he's too loyal. The fact that George Mendes is actively pushing for this move to Manchester City would suggest otherwise. Maybe they might go with Raheem Sterling as their uh, lone forward. He scored four goals in four Premier League games against Arsenal. Even if he doesn't play as the central striker, could he be their richest source of goals this season, Darren? Um, he could do if he's on it. The only problem is that bringing Grealish in suggests that they have they, they, Guardiola doesn't have too much faith in a man that he dropped at the end of last season in favour of Mahrez. Um, I still can't see for the life of me as wonderful a player as Grealish is how he becomes a priority over Kane. I know it was an easier deal to do, but the first thing you do once you know Aguero's going is you get all the money you can, you pile it up into a heap and you push it across the table at Spurs and you say... This is the guy we want. So you reckon that's why Pep Guardiola subsequently has done an interview with Brazilian media in which he's turned around and said, well, actually, I'm going to leave in 2023 because you didn't give me what I wanted. I have to say, I mean, obviously, as time, as the day unfolds, as the the days unfold, we'll know more. But straight away, the proximity of that interview to the decision of the club not to sign Kane tells me a lot. Listen, they can say, oh, well, we want to invest in younger players or this, that and the other. And then... Well, two things. A, Guardiola might not be there in five years' time. And the second thing is, how do they do that and then go and try to do, and clearly they're talking to George Mendes, about what would be a huge deal to do for a guy who's... You're not going to get that money back. You know, you talk about shirt sales. You might get some, but you're not going to get that money back. They don't care about the money, though, do they? 
Not clearly they do if if they didn't want to pay the money for Kane. Yeah, but there's a slight difference in 160 million pounds for Kane and 25 million for Ronaldo. Not really, no. I mean, 25 million pounds plus a huge amount of money in transfer fee as well and wages. Yeah. And sorry, in in wages as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me personally, I if out of the two, lovely, I love Ronaldo. He's the lead. We all love Ronaldo, but I would have bought Kane. Absolutely. Um, look, let's just quickly talk about the, the the overhanging question from last week, which is that there was a report in one of the papers earlier in the week, I think it was a Telegraph, suggesting that uh, Mikel Arteta only has five games to save his job. You mentioned about his bullish attitude afterwards, suggesting that the players were behind him and that was sort of him having a go at his critics. Would it be more wise for him just to try and keep his counsel for a couple of weeks, get some points on the board and then try to sort of come out fighting if indeed that he, is how he feels he needs to attack it, Crook. Yeah, you shouldn't be getting too carried away after a 6-0 win against West Brom, but I think Arteta is that spiky type character anyway, so it doesn't take much uh, for him to come out fighting. But they've obviously had a, a very difficult start in the Premier League, yet to score a goal. I don't think it will get any easier against Manchester City. And then they've got the the two-week international break, which I always think comes at the worst possible time for, for most managers so early in the season to lick their wounds and and try and work out a way forward. But I do think getting a Bamiyang to produce that type of performance, albeit against the second-string championship side, is a positive step in the right direction because he's basically <laughs> checked out for the last year. Oh, come on, Crook. This is a training exercise for Arsenal. Uh, that kind of performance. What kind of performance? If he can't well, he scored score... a hat-trick. He yeah, scored a hat-trick. And it, well, he's kids. found goals hard to come by. Against their kids, he should be scoring a hat-trick no, against No, no, no. He, he did score against an almost veteran goalkeeper of 25 years of age who's making his first appearance for West Bromwich Albion after 11 years in their backroom <laughs> style. Come on. If he's not scoring a hat-trick well, against right. that, I'm asking for Lincoln last year. Come on. I think Darren has got a point, Crook, to be honest with you. We can't get to... I mean, I, w- I was at the game and Erdegaard was absolutely fantastic, but he was absolutely fantastic because no one challenged him. No one got anywhere near yeah. him. He had the freedom of the Hawthorns to just pick his little pockets of space and cultivate his passes. And yes, they scored a brilliant goal with Saka and him combining. But ultimately, you know, I- I'd like to see them do that on Saturday against Manchester City. They probably won't. Manchester City have won the last four games without conceding in the Premier League against Arsenal. Boy to Marley. Right footed volley under the goalkeeper, and that should seal all three points for Liverpool. This team has so much still to deliver and to improve. 3 0 to Liverpool. Unstoppable shot by Mo Salah. 1 to 11, they're fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. So there's no reason why not. I still think Manchester City and, and Chelsea are stronger. Lukaku! Who chipped it over the goalkeeper? Arsenal nil, Chelsea 2. Two wins from two for Thomas Tuchel. We have the feeling that we have something to prove. We have hunger and we want to close the gap that existed. Plays it forward to Havertz, lifts it over the goalkeeper and lifts it into the corner. Kai Havertz! It's a good feeling. You know, the guys are very hungry. They want to keep winning. Um, At the end, we all have to, to prove ourselves on the pitch. Let's turn our attention to the 5.30 game. That game, by the way, is on at 12.30 live on TalkSport. So is this one. Liverpool against Chelsea. Romelu Lukaku enjoyed being back in blue. Will he leave his mark on Virgil van Dijk at Anfield, Crook? Well, we talked, didn't we, on Sunday's podcast about Virgil van Dijk maybe not yet being up to full strength. And I think you can get away with that um, when you're up against the standard of opponent he has been so far. This is a completely different ball game. Lukaku absolutely bullied 
Arsenal last weekend. He looks like he's in the mood to come back and make a real mark in the Premier League. So if Van Dijk isn't quite at his best, then I think Lukaku could inflict some damage. And, and what about Chelsea's business as we sit here on Thursday morning? Kurt Zuma very close to completing his move to West Ham. That will allow Chelsea to go all out now for Jules Kunde. They're also looking at Saul at Atletico Madrid. I mean, these are already the European champions. Some a team who finished the season really strongly under Thomas Tuchel. They've had a fantastic transfer window, particularly if they get Kunde and maybe so all over the line. I think they're the team to be caught even this early in the season. So Neges is um, a loan deal, isn't it? That, that's that's the idea. Whereas Kunde is a, quite a hefty expenditure. I understand the not Kunde- that expensive though. Forty three million pound for a player who's got a release clause of around about sixty eight. That's another masterstroke from uh, Marina Granasky. Yeah, so she does she does a great job in terms of transfer negotiation in and out. But ultimately, she's. Uh, I mean. Look, they've spent a lot of they've spent a lot of money this summer. There's no doubt about that. But they will point to the fact that they've got rid of a lot of players, as well as Manchester yeah. City did. Um, but you know, I don't know where they're going to play all these players because even now, you look at that Chelsea squad and you think, oh, what, what? Are they going to start a Premier League two team or something, or are they going to put a team into the Championship? There seems to be so many players there. Yeah, there there are, but they're going to have two. Sometimes they're going to have a fixture pile up like they did last season, if they do as well as it seems they will do. And they will have the squad to be able to cope with all of those uh, the competitions. The only thing is that what you want generally from a side is consistency. Uh, because football's about partnerships, but centre-half, in midfield, up front. You want a cohesion uh, and a consistency. So when you're juggling and you know slotting players in and out, maybe that might be difficult. On that, It'd be interesting to see how both line up in midfield because the midfield battle is going to be incredibly important. Jorginho Kovacic played against Arsenal on Sunday. Conte was injured or was coming off the bench. Henderson played with Cater and Elliott on Saturday. But Liverpool had made two changes from the previous week against Norwich and their midfield combination isn't quite sorted yet, is it? I mean, Oxlade-Chamberlain played it the previous week. Fabinho's had an issue because he's had to go and deal with the bereavement. Mm-hmm. So whether or not he'll be back for this weekend is still up for debate. That area of the field, I think, is going to be key to the result. It could be. I, I, I'm less worried about that area of the field. I'm, I'm more thinking about the back line. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in two minds saying that because obviously the Liverpool... Is this because you're a big Liverpool fan and you're well, worried about... Listen, the cards on the table, anyone listening to this will know I'm a Liverpool fan. But also, last season I spent pretty much the whole campaign saying that all the criticism of Liverpool wasn't justified because we'd seal the real Liverpool when all of the best players are back. And lo and behold, everyone's gushing suddenly about Liverpool and their defensive strength and depth as well. We haven't really seen the best of Canati. I'm, I wonder. If I didn't think they be. were that good uh, defensively on Saturday against Burnley. I did. Did you? Yeah, I, I think that. I thought they conceded a couple of big chances in that game. I think pretty much they kept him at arm's length. Really, I mean, you could say the same thing about second half. I you think could that's say the true, same yeah. thing about Chelsea against Arsenal last true. weekend. You know, there were I was at the game and there were there were a couple of big Smith Rowe first half sticks out a leg, turns the ball in. No Chelsea player in sight. I agree. With you. I, don't, I think I think Chelsea's biggest signing probably of the uh, of the summer certainly will be a central defender because they mm. they seem to play with three of which none of them are really actually quite 
that convincing. There you go. And that's why I think that the biggest ma- matchup in this match will be between Van Dyke and Lukaku. And I think what they'll try to do is stop the supply line into Lukaku. Not necessarily stop him from doing something with the ball, but stop him from getting the ball in the first place and prevent a situation where he is drawing defenders out of position for uh, Mount and Havertz to run into the space behind him. Would you play Timo Werner this weekend if you were Thomas Tuchel? It's an interesting one because I think there is a partnership, to use Darren's word, between him and Lukaku to be developed, but they were so good going forward against Arsenal. I know, again, that the standard of opponent is going to be a big step up. I think he might just be a bit reluctant to break up that attack. It seemed to work to perfection. You're right about midfield, though. I wouldn't expect Harvey Elliott to play this game. I know he played really well um, against Burnley, but I think Jurgen Klopp will probably opt for a bit more experience in the centre of the park. I think it's going to be a, a fascinating tactical matchup, and th- and this will be um, an illustration of how near Liverpool are to being back to their best. You know, going toe to toe with the European champions with their full squad available. I think they need to deliver. Otherwise, Darren might be looking a bit foolish. And also, Chelsea, we don't really know the measure of their abilities yet because they've only played Crystal Palace and. Chelsea look good. There is no doubt about that. I don't. Every season, every time somebody wins the league, everyone gets into a tizzy over other (laughs) other clubs. It fascinates me. And you know, what what, what are you getting irritated about? Is he? Is he? Is he giving you? Has he riled you up again? Well, he has. I mean, the idea that that, that, he's so provocative, isn't he? Do you know what he did to the whole of Norwich over the weekend? Basically, set them into open revolt. Open revolt. <laughs> open revolt. How he sent them into open revolt. How did he do that? He just basically said that they were cheating the system and that they re- re- reduced the sporting integrity of the Premier League <laughs> by not bothering to compete when they come up. Which is you know, just a small thing to say. It's just a very Alex yeah, Crook thing a, to say, isn't Alex it? Alex Crook thing to say. A crookism. <laughs> um, right. Um, both fixtures last year were won by the away team. Chelsea have won 10 of their last 14 away fixtures. I think this is going to be really tight. It's live on TalkSport. 5-30. Chelsea will not win this match. I'm going to put my cards on the table. I think going forward... Liverpool have more cutting edge. I think Chelsea still miss lots of chances. It was easy against Arsenal last weekend. Liverpool's defence is levels above Arsenal's defence. I think Liverpool win this match. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Big shout. Uh, No, it's not. That's a big shout. Well, they're not going to be as generous at Anfield this season as they were last season at um, Liverpool, are they? They're better at the back and they're better up front. And And they've got the crowd. And they've got the crowd. Absolutely. I mean, you know, two cool, good record against the big clubs, but the class of the forward line at Liverpool is so much better than You've Arsenal's. wound him up now. He's got angry. I can see it in his face. That's your fault. You're not even here. <laughs> I, I'm You're just, a nightmare. You know, sat here in my study, minding my own business. Asian provocateur. I went to that study earlier this week. Do you know how big it is? The size of a broom cupboard. <laughs> Andy Peters couldn't get in there. We've had the duck. It'd be a nightmare. Uh, 27 games unbeaten on the road. Um, could that impressive run for Manchester United be tested at Molyneux when these two clash on Sunday at 4.30? Alex Crook. Well, it depends if Oli picks the right team. Um, that would involve Martial being back on the bench and uh, not pairing Matic and uh, Fred in midfield. I know McTominay um, has undergone an operation, so he'll be unavailable. Yeah, but groin surgery we because promised. it was becoming uncomfortable to play with. Is that right? Yeah, we were promised a more 
dynamic Manchester United midfield. We certainly didn't see that against Southampton. It was this habit they got into last season of starting games slowly, having to come from behind, which more often than not they do. But you can't keep doing that. And I know Wolves have lost their first couple of games. They played well in both of them, actually. Uh, should have got something from Leicester and had so many opportunities against Tottenham that didn't take them. So I'm not overly concerned uh, for Wolves fans at this early stage of the season. This is going to be a difficult game for Manchester United. The attitude has to be right. And Mason Greenwood, for me, has to play through the middle and just leave Martial on the bench. Uh, I'm a little bit more worried about Wolverhampton Wanderers because although they looked more aggressive against Spurs, they've got zero end product. And I mean zero. 32 shots so far this season without finding the net. And the worst thing about that, Darren, is I don't think it's luck. I think it's just actually poor quality in front of goal. Yeah, I do too. I'm worried for them. Part of the reason why Nuno fell out with at Wolves is because the investment kind of dried up and uh, all of a sudden they were selling their, their best players, but they weren't really replacing them with quality uh, and not with the same regularity as well. I don't, I, I'm worried for Wolves this year and I think Man United should get back on the bus on the bus, on the bike. Yeah, on the bike. You can get back. Yeah, get back on the bike. On the horse. On the horse. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of those three. Ride the stallion home. Um, Wolves usually test Manchester United at uh, Molyneux. Last day of the season was the first win that Manchester United have experienced in five visits to Molyneux. Uh, but United's defence may well be strengthened, might it, by the first chance to field Rafael Varane. I hope so, uh, because it was a problem uh, against Southampton. Harry Maguire, very unsteady, kept getting caught in possession in and around his own penalty area. That was actually where Southampton's opening goal came from. I think he needs somebody like Moran alongside him. This axis between uh, Linda Love and Maguire just doesn't cut it for me. You've got a player of the quality and experience of Iran. I think you've got to get him into the team as soon as possible. I'm guessing Jaden Sancho might be pushing for a start as well. So, um, Crook, as a fan, would you, prefer to, would you prefer him to make him debut at home or away as a fan? Or do you uh, not care? I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I just think you need to get your best players on the pitch as soon as possible. Uh, Sancho's a young player, shouldn't need that much time to get up to speed with the Premier League. Wasn't brilliant when he came on um, against Southampton. I have to say, he didn't do much to play his way into the starting lineup. But when you spent £73 million on a player, he needs to, he needs to start repaying that as soon as possible. So yeah, it'd be great for him to start in front of the fans at Old Trafford. But I've mentioned already on this podcast, they can't afford to fall too many points behind the likes of Chelsea. So this is a game they really have to win. It's a kind start to the season for Manchester United. They've dropped two points that will annoy them already. West Ham against Crystal Palace is live on TalkSport 2, Saturday, 3pm. If Leicester couldn't withstand the storm whipped up by Ben Rama, Bowen and Antonio, what chance have Crystal Palace got, Darren? I don't think they've got much. I think West Ham are in fantastic form. Antonio's already in my dream team and he looked a, a, a top striker. It looked like his days at right back and right wing back and right wing and whatever else were fully behind him. The composure he has in the final third, Ben Rama playing just off him, the defensive strength, okay, they switched off a little bit second half, but I really like West Ham this season. And I, I think they're going to be too strong for Crystal Palace. I, I've, I must admit, I was of the same uh, opinion. I was walking out to get a cup of coffee earlier on from the news building in uh, London Bridge and uh, a Crystal Palace supporter stopped me outside and uh, wanted to chat and educated me on the Crystal Palace West Ham 
head to head, saying that there's always a very tight game between the two. I think West Ham won the game 3 2 away at Selhurst Park last season, 1 1 at London Stadium, 2 1 to Crystal Palace the season before on both occasions, 1 1, 3 2, 1 1, 2 2, 1 0, 2 2. They always seem to be quite tight but, clashes. But, but that's with the old flaky West Ham. This is the new look West Ham. They've got quality throughout the side. And more importantly, they've got organisation and a work rate I don't think West Ham sides have had on a consistent basis for a long, long time. I think they're in for a good season. I'm with you. Um, and I'm more worried about Crystal Palace because I don't know where the goals are coming from. Conor Gallagher hit the woodwork last week, but they had two shots on target. Yeah, I think they're going all out for Eddie and Ketia uh, between now and the deadline next Tuesday. But at the moment, Arsenal's valuation of £20 million is proving a problem. That They do need a goal scorer. They've needed a goal scorer for four or five seasons too reliant on Wilfred Zaha. I like some of the signings that Vieira's made. I think Anderson and Gerhi uh, will improve, although Gerhi's looked a bit shaky in his first couple of appearances. And Gallagher brings a lot of energy to midfield. But you, you do question where the goals are coming from. And... There's already pressure on Patrick Vieira. Three games in, in League and Cup yet to score a goal. And this is a difficult London derby. West Ham really look like they've got the bit between their teeth early in the season. I thought Antonio, as Darren said, was sensational, uh, particularly in that final half an hour against Leicester. Ben Rama uh, seems to be reinvigorated. And if they can add Kurt Zuma, as looks likely... I think this is a West Ham side who once again will be challenging up towards the, the European places. Real worry that they went out to Watford in the Cup as well. Not necessarily because of the performance of the team or the result, but mainly because they didn't score a goal again. And as Crook says, you know, I'm worried about that. I'm not worried. I think you're not you worried say, about Palace. No, no, no. Listen, you 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 change something, there are going to be bumps in the road. Yeah, I think if the players weren't working hard, if there wasn't, if you couldn't see an identity, you couldn't see what they were trying to do. Fine, clubs getting knocked out of the Carabao Cup at this stage. The clubs have got bigger fish to fry. They, look unpopular opinion but for a lot of clubs even in the championship they don't need the league cup they don't need it you know West Brom 11 changes they yeah, don't it need me. the league cup it irritates me because it's a chance to win a I'm trophy and also Sam. the other thing is you had clubs moaning and whinging over the course of the last year that they didn't have enough fans in the ground and didn't get generate enough income they get an opportunity to get through to the next round of a competition possibly play at home possibly get a facility fee from the TV company and they're more willing just to throw the game and not bother to play. I hear that. And it irritates me. I hear that. I can't argue with that. Um, West Ham fans are still not satisfied with the ownership, despite the fact that they have started so well, mainly because they're the only club, I think, in the entire country up until this point. I mean, not, not to, to sign a player, but they are going to, but on a permanent basis, but they are going to sign Kurt Zuma, I think on a permanent basis as well, Crook. Is that right? Yeah, I think the fee's around about £25 million to Chelsea and uh, he's asking for an awful lot of money, which they seem willing to pay. Uh, Nikola Vlasic is the other player that they've been uh, making inquiries really? for. Somebody that Everton fans will be aware of. Didn't do particularly well with them in the Premier League, but has really rebuilt his reputation at CSKA Moscow. Nearly joined AC Milan earlier in the window. Do they need someone in um, that area I'll... of the pitch? Yes. Well, he's, he's, he scores goals. Um, and I think you need someone who, who takes the burden off Antonio. Our colleague Jim White at TalkSport, who we know is close to the owners, says they've got £45 million to spend between now and 11 o'clock on Tuesday. So I think West Ham fans' patience should be rewarded, but they never seem to be a club who find it particularly easy to get deals over the line. Do you remember the fiasco with Ben Rama when they signed him on deadline day? To be fair, that wasn't down to them. That was down to uh, issues on the other side. 
um, that came up with a medical. It wasn't anything to do with West Ham. So I wouldn't want to paint them as being better people who struggle where those things are concerned. Quite often, people try to take them for a ride. Zuma, as I understand it, asked for a lot of money. Uh, I'm not quite sure what he's done in the game to, to suggest that West Ham should shatter their uh, wage bill for him. He's a good player, very good player. But I could see why they said, well, look, if you don't want what we can offer you, good luck trying to get into the Chelsea team where there's a lot of competition for places as opposed to our team where you can play every week. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Lucy! Hello! Hello, how Hello. are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Have fallen over this week? No, I haven't, uh, but I didn't realise how bad my injuries were when I took my tights off. Big old cut in my foot. How? <laughs> See? Why is that funny, Sam? <laughs> Oh, I nearly said something really rude then. <laughs> I nearly said something really rude, but I, I got in trouble last week for saying that. Um, how how bad was it then when, when, when you found out eventually the extent of the wound? Oh, it's quite deep and I've had to throw them tights away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and did you did it need stitches? No. Oh, I'm not aware of the significance of this, so I need to just to make sure that you're okay. So you didn't need any hospital treatment or any other medical no, attention? No, no you're no. okay. Well, you just try and make sure that you're careful this week and stop walking around in those stupid shoes that you were wearing the last <laughs> time I saw you. Um, right, what have you got for us? So this week, my little quiz is on the upcoming fixture, Burnley v Leeds. Ooh, Burnley. Didn't you do Burnley last week? No, it was Norwich Man City City last week. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right, we'll start with Crook. And as the transfer guru, you should find this really easy. At £15 million each, which two players are Burnley's most expensive signings? 
I think one of them's just gone to Norwich, isn't he? Is, is one Ben Gibson? Correct. I know that because I was hammered. Uh, You're by googling. Fans of Sam, You're googling. Already alluded to. I can see you. You no, got no, zoom I'm... on. Remember, we can see you. You and your little hands moving. <laughs> Don't give it all that. There's also a reflection coming back from the back of your uh, little uh, window behind you. We can see. And is the other the Belgian lad, Stephen Defoe? Incorrect. Oh, Oh, so you can pass it over? Sam? I think it's Tarkovsky. I I think it's either Chris Wood or Robbie Brady. I think I'm going to go for Chris Wood. Correct. Oh, well done. So we did half a point each, is it? Half a point each, yeah. Half a point each. How do you get half a point each? Because no, I've got Ben I'm Gibson. Giving you, I'm giving you one point each for that. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank <sighs> you, Luce. That's very generous. I wouldn't have known Ben Gibson, but for the Norwich fans, to be honest. Darren, these two sides have only faced each other twice in the Premier League. Both fixtures were won by Leeds. But in their most recent meeting on the 15th of May, what was the score? I remember that they lost... Uh, sorry, Burnley lost quite heavily in, in that match. I think it might have been... 5-0. Close, but no cigar. 4-0. Sam! Yes? I was throwing it to Crook then. Yeah, but he didn't I'll go for 4-0, Lucy. Correct, Crook. 4-0. I've heard you've got a problem with that, Sam. Uh, going too soon. What? Yeah, yeah. Often. Right, Sam, now your question. Who boasts a higher points per game average as Leeds boss? Bielsa or David O'Leary? Bielsa. Correct. So Bielsa has 1.86 and O'Leary averaged just 1.79 points per game. It's nice that Stan gets a multiple choice question. That's a fair point, actually. But I can't believe I, you're having I, a go at Lucy. But I was going to say, I wouldn't question Lucy's handling of this wonderful competition that she executes so superbly. Sorry, has anyone got a torch? I'm trying to climb out of Lucy's backside. <laughs> <laughs> to know the scores on the doors it would be helpful yes, please yeah. lucy so sam leads with three points closely followed by crook with two and a half and darren's trailing with two points oh it's gonna be a good season i can feel it already cheers Luce. thanks Tottenham against Watford kicks off at two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, owing to Tottenham's involvement in the uh, Europa Conference League playoffs. Harry Kane straight back into the team, Crook? Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, Based come on, on what? at the end of that game? Based on what, against Wolves. Based on what, Crook? Based on the fact that he's their best striker um, and they've just managed to keep him out of the clutches of Manchester City. Surely you get Harry Kane uh, back into the lineup as soon as possible. I would be shocked if he didn't start. Would you not, Darren? Well, they've just beaten Manchester City, defending champions, with a superb display of grit, determination, organisation. And they've gone to Wolves, where they dropped points last season and pulled off a great win there. <sighs> I, I, I wonder what... And also, I was in the press conference at the back end of the week, and I actually asked Nuno... Does he go straight back into the side? And he wasn't exactly unequivocal to to the point where I had to say, look, he's won three Premier League golden boots. He's your best player. Was that a Surely. yes or a no, Nuno? Well, exactly. And he said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll decide. Nobody's guaranteed. Uh, we'll decide closer to the game. So it, He's flexing his muscles. I don't, well, whether he is or is not, I can see why he would flex his muscles. But interestingly, though, you mentioned the, the games against City and against Wolverhampton Wanderers. 
the ground out victories in both those matches but let's be clear the other teams had chances opportunities and, and a lot more of the ball um, this should be a more comprehensive victory they're taking on newly promoted Watford even if now Nuno is is in implementing this rather more cautious and pragmatic approach to the game I'm not necessarily sure Crook he'll be allowed to play that way at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against a side that's just been promoted from the championship Especially not when the recruitment process, one of the criteria was entertaining football, which seemed a bit of a strange appointment given that Wolves weren't exactly pleasing on the eye, certainly Nuno's last season. But you're right, against Watford at home, I think Tottenham fans will demand a more all-round, a more complete, a more dominant performance. That might just play into Watford hands, by the way, because we've seen what they can do on the counter-attack. They weren't able to do it against Brighton Mm. in the game I was at last weekend, but they certainly did it uh, against Aston Villa. They have pace to burn uh, with the likes of Saar and Dennis. So if if Tottenham do go too gung-ho, then and maybe that could cause them a problem. Yeah, they did have a couple of chances on the counter-attack last week, especially in the first couple of minutes of the game against uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. But they looked a little bit disjointed in that match as it went on. They had just the one shot on target. I've got to be honest with you, Darren, I don't really trust that Spurs defence as it is at the moment, but have Watford got enough to trouble them? Yeah, they do. Emmanuel Dennis came in very unheralded uh, from Genk, didn't have a great goal record to speak of, but he managed to get off to a good start. Ismail Assar, really good down the right side, but Regulon's good too. Uh, This is why I say, everyone says, oh, should Kane go straight back into the side? And clearly we know his quality. We've gushed about it enough times. I think £150 million undervalued him. But equally, I think a lot of people undervalue the quality in the Tottenham team as well. And Galini was talking about Romero, the new signing, described him as an animal and said that he was a Serie A best defender last season and he says that he's very very tough gets in people's faces and I think he could be a good good organiser of that Tottenham defence I think they'll have too much for Watford Let's move on to Newcastle against Southampton Southampton have lost 11 of their last 12 away matches which might be a saving grace for Steve Bruce who is out of the Carabao Cup two defeats in two it doesn't appear to have been too wise a decision for Steve Bruce to have turned around on Tuesday and said we will go very, very strong in the Carabao Cup against Burnley and go out on penalties, Crook. Yeah, but I think the scoreline was a bit harsh. Uh, Wayne Hennessy had one of those nights that happens not too frequently in a goalkeeper's career where every shot that came at him, he saved, including in the penalty shootout. So they they didn't play badly, uh, Newcastle, but we know that Steve Bruce isn't going to get too much grace, too much slack um, from the Newcastle supporters. So (laughs) the fact they've started this... uh, this season in such poor form will we'll only add to the doubters. There were 30,000 inside St. James's Park. There were boos as they went off. It's a long time since Newcastle won a trophy and this uh, clearly would have been their best opportunity uh, to go deep into the draw and maybe try and get some silverware. So, yeah, the pressure already on Steve Bruce. Uh, there's a bit of speculation, as we know, about the future of Alan Sam Maximum. Callum Wilson is, is still their main goal threat. He's still persisting with this back five that Newcastle fans don't enjoy. They need a win and quickly. Yeah, I was surprised they left him out of the game against Burnley because it was an easy win for Steve Bruce, wasn't it, in terms of winning over the supporters. 38,000 turning up on a Wednesday night against Burnley in the Carabao Cup shows the commitment of that group of supporters and the idea that they've been rewarded with going out on penalties feels a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, it has been a very long time since Newcastle tasted glory, which is why I, I thought that he was going to prioritise one of these cup competitions, but turns out not to be the case. Adam Armstrong 
um, playing for Southampton this weekend. Could he come back to haunt Newcastle? Because they let him go, of course. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, he's had a good start so far. Looked really sharp. Scored in that opening game, didn't he, against Everton. A well-taken finish it was too. My worry for Southampton is at the back. They don't look strong. They don't look cohesive. I think that they are in for a difficult season. Uh, There has been a little bit of promise about their performances, but the midweek win means nothing. Uh, They've outclassed the side levels below them. It's the Premier League where deficiencies are exposed, and I expect them to be exposed again. I just wonder, though, with Steve Bruce, does he actually enjoy it every single season? We, you know, every oh. time we've done Newcastle on the podcast, it's been about the trauma around Newcastle. He can't possibly enjoy that job anymore, can he? I mean, if you're listening to this, if you and you got a job and, and and you go in and every week it's the same kind of febrile atmosphere, how can you enjoy it? Crook, I mean, you know as someone who experiences if, that on a regular basis, could you tell us what that feels like? <laughs> I don't, I'd imagine what it feels like is when you're in a marriage um, and you separate with your partner. Careful. Um, but f- for financial reasons, <laughs> you have to stay living in the same house. I know people who've had to do that, and it is a very uncomfortable experience. He's just never going to feel the love, Steve Bruce, the Newcastle fans. He's almost on a on a hiding to nothing, and he, and he probably knows that. I think probably when he checks his bank account at the end of every month, that eases the pain. Um, we've worked out why you're in your broom cupboard, by the way. <laughs> uh, you're all heart you two but I was impressed with Southampton uh, against Manchester United they've added to their defensive ranks they've added uh, a player who calls himself the Gorilla um, Lianco a, a Brazilian central defender who was part of a Torino side that conceded goals for fun last season so it's going to be interesting to see how that one works out I've already waxed lyrical about Livermento. I think there's more pressure on this game for Newcastle and Steve Bruce than there is for Southampton. Uh, last trophy that uh, Newcastle won, 1969, they won the Intercity Fairs Cup, the last one, the FA Cup in 1955. Darren, what were the celebrations like? <sighs> you know what? There should have been a drum roll before that gag. I must say, though, hey, as there, far as... There, there might be by the time it goes into the post edit. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that Mike Ashley and all of this stuff around... Uh, hearings and this what this that and the other honestly you can see why so many managers before Bruce turned around and said thanks but no thanks the club are a basket case the fans are terrific the football sometimes isn't anywhere good enough and I just think Bruce can't possibly enjoy it Aston Villa against Brentford Saturday 3 o'clock former Bees boss Dean Smith welcomes Brentford to Villa Park buoyed by their victory over Newcastle. Uh, the Bees now managed by Dean's former assistant, Thomas Frank, and they are yet to concede a goal. But I think that will be tested with Ings et al. this weekend, Alex Crook. Yeah, it certainly will. I mean, uh, Danny Ings, two in two games, goals breed confidence for strikers, and that strike he scored last weekend and the uh, incredible nature of it should certainly help with that. We had Ivan Tony on uh, Darren Ben's boot room on, on Sunday night. I pointed out to him that he was yet to get off the mark. You know, should I keep him in my fantasy team? And he promised me a goal against Aston Villa this weekend, uh, to which a Villa fan immediately tagged in uh, Esri Comter, of course, they're two players um, who uh, will enjoy doing battle, I think. And the, the Dean Smith element gives the game an extra edge. I'm really looking forward to this one, actually. I think there's a lot of evenly matched fixtures this week. We've spoken about it already. A lot of games that I think are quite hard to call. I think this is another, given the way that Brentford have started the season. Brentford had the better of the game with uh, Crystal Palace at the weekend, uh, Darren. A good start counts for nothing if you slack off and end up 
throwing away the next five or six games. So I don't think we've really seen the or haven't got the measure of Brentford just yet. We haven't seen enough of them to make a full judgment. No, not really. But games like these uh, against teams on their level are always a good start to get your feet under the Premier League table. I can't decide whether to call it the Feeder Club derby or the Dean Smith derby. Uh, I'll have to have a think about that. But I do think that two wins from their three games so far, obviously including the win over Forest Green in midweek, um, is a good start for morale, for confidence and to get the players firing. And they were behind in that game as well. Mm, A lot of character. Uh, They they, they dragged back more points than anybody else from losing positions in the Championship last season. They've got that about them. And and listen, everyone now, everyone talks about Brentford relying on statistics. Everybody relies on statistics. I mean, it was the numbers that convinced Aston Villa to sell Jack Grealish because Christian Perslow said that when we looked at the numbers, we found that we were too reliant on Grealish and we wanted to bring other players in that could shoulder the burden. Spread the load. Spread the load. And I think as far as Brentford are concerned, they rely on those numbers. It would be a real boost for them if having sold their best players, one of whom, obviously, two of whom, as Crook was saying, to Aston Villa, they could maybe get one over on them as well. Brighton against Everton, three o'clock on Saturday. Everton were brilliant away last season, but they've never won at the Amex. Might that change this weekend, Crook? I didn't know that. Um, I'm there for out for Talk Sport alongside Alvin Martin on Saturday. I think this is another game that fits into the too close to call category. I was really impressed with Brighton uh, against, albeit an under par Watford side, but they were defensively resolute. They were more ruthless um, than they were last season when they created so many chances and didn't score. Uh, Neil Mopé obviously hobbling off in that game. That will be a, a real blow if he's not available to lead the line up front. And I think Rafa started pretty well um, with Everton so far. You can see a, a clear plan of what he wants to do, get the supply into Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That's going to be the key battle for me. Lewis Dunk against Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Lewis Dunk, somebody who relishes the aerial combat. Everton clearly set up to try and get plenty of balls into the box for Calvert-Lewin. I think whoever comes out on top there will win the game. Uh, Everton have scored at least two goals on each outing so far and they pose a real threat to Brighton's maximum points tally, don't they? Mainly because of their firepower, their aerial power. As Crook has already mentioned, it's a different game for Dominic Calvert-Lewin this weekend. But those spaces down the flanks, if Damari Gray can work down the left or the right-hand side, get those crosses into the box, you'd expect Dominic Calvert-Lewin to get one on target. Yeah, I would do. I mean, obviously, uh, Lewis Dunk will be heading balls out all day, so they'll have to be a bit cuter and clever about the way they go about their business. I'd like to see maybe Rafa bring in another striker before the window closes. I don't think Cal that Lewin can do it all himself uh, and they need more depth in that area even allowing for the fact that Richarlison scores goals as well three wins out of three so far for Brighton two out of three for Everton I think Everton edge this because I think they've got more quality in the final third yeah it's their fifth trip to the Amex Stadium Crook the last time they won at Brighton was 1983 April 1983 they won't have played them much since then, though, would they? Because that was the last time Brighton were in the top flight until this little five-year spell they're enjoying at the moment. I just told you that they've been there four times since then. Were you listening to that bit or not? No? Okay, well, stay tuned. Um, final game for us to look at uh, today comes from uh, Norwich. Norwich against Leicester. Um, Crook, do you want to lead this or are the Norwich fans still gunning for you? 
Yeah, well, let me just say, I mean, the balance of fairness, I've had a, a lot of feedback from Norwich fans to my comments on Sunday night. An incredible amount of feedback. Actually, feedback. I didn't That's an interesting it. name for it. It is, it is isn't, isn't it? It's almost like you're softening. It's a bit of a sort of a, a management speak or a, a PR spin. It's like a manager trying to say, I'm not going to lose my best player or actually I'm quite happy for him to go. Go on, yeah. What I would say, I stand by my prediction. I think they will be relegated. Um, but what I am told um, from insiders at Carrow Road is there is an absolute cast iron motivation this time to stay in the Premier League. Maybe unlike uh, when they came up last time and spent less than a million pounds, they have been quite active even this week in the transfer market, bringing in Brandon Williams. And I'm told they're working on one or two more additions as well. So credit to them for having a go. Um, this time, maybe my comments on Sunday night whoa, was whoa, much more frustration whoa, 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 from what they whoa, did last whoa. time they were in the Premier whoa, League. Whoa, 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 as hold much on. As they Sorry, are this time there round. is a huge articulated lorry reversing <laughs> in a very tight cul-de-sac. Sorry. So last week you were saying that they basically were damaging the sporting integrity of the Premier League with their attitude. Now you're giving them credit for having a go. They haven't won a game I mean, yet. They haven't, have they scored a goal yet? I don't think they've scored a goal yet. No. No, they haven't, but they're they are trying to so sign far. players. And um, I think that is, you know, is a, a different tactic from last time. I st- Listen, they stunk the place out last time they were in the Premier League. I, I didn't agree with that uh, going down and, and taking the parachute money. I, it didn't sit right with me, and I maintain that. But as I say, I'm told this time there is a determination to stay up. I still don't think they will. I think this is uh, potentially another defeat, although Leicester. Didn't look great against West Ham, did they? And they're struggling for numbers. Stop deflecting. Defensively. We're not finished with Norwich yet. Oh eight seven one seven double two double three double four. Biggest <laughs> U-turn of the week: Harry Kane or Alex Crook? Let us know. Um, uh, uh, we will move on to to Leicester City. Um, obviously, last Monday night was a bit of a chasing experience for Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? Because they lost the man in Iosi Perez. I think quite rightly. I know that. The argument is he was off balance and therefore that was the reason he was stretching. But you cannot place your studs onto the ankle of an opponent and think you're going to get away with it, I'm afraid. Not in the Premier League in 2021. Uh, Vardy or Dakar, who do you go with? I'd try Dakar, you know. This is, could be a game for him. Uh, Norwich like to play football. Uh, and so it could be a perfect game to Dakar to get for, for Dakar to get his feet under the table. I agree with you uh, that Perez should have been sent off. I couldn't really understand why Schmeichel was complaining as much as he was. I think it's because he gave the ball away. That's why. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, and it kind of reflected yeah. badly on him. But had that been the other way around, they'd have been screaming from the rooftop. Leicester, yeah, play Dakar. Looks a good player. Has got a lot about him. Good awareness. Good positional sense as well. Cutting edge in front of goal. I like him as a footballer. I thought maybe West Ham would go in for him as well. But um, I, I, I'd i like to see a little bit more of Leicester before I make a judgment about them mm. because they didn't look good, but we know they can be good. And also defensively, they've been absolutely savaged by injuries and other problems. Exactly. If you think that their backline could be Castagna, who hasn't played yet, uh, Johnny Evans, who hasn't played yet, Fafana, who's going to be out until at least December, and... Um, Bertrand, who played the first game and then obviously picked up COVID and hasn't been able to to play since. Norwich will have a better chance to get off the ground in terms of Premier League wins. Bottom of the table at the moment, they need to get a morale-boosting win. Yeah, of course, because they've got a uh, relegation clash uh, the week after the international break with (laughs) Arsenal, haven't they? 
Adrian Durham's already used that line this week. Has he? Your own material. <laughs> yes, of course he has. Mate, I wouldn't worry too much if I was you about what I'm getting up to. You just worry whether or not you're allowed into the borough of Norwich when you next posted in that direction. Have you had any text... While we've been recording this, have you had any text messages from Jake Humphrey or from Brian Gunn or from Delia Smith or from Simon Thomas or from... Who else is from Norwich? Danny Mills was born in Norwich and I asked him whether or not he'd given you abuse and he said to me I don't care about Norwich and that was about it <laughs> good man good man you can always rely on Danny uh, when you need him in your corner I'm waiting for Adam Partridge to get in touch but that hasn't happened yet so I've not quite peaked can I just say actually I, I do in a way support you Crook last year I remember doing a show it was a Saturday show transfer show and I talked about the fact that it's very hard to expect to stay up if you don't invest in players and the Norwich fans weren't happy with that either and they said that they had a lot of faith in Daniel Farke um, but again they went down they were, we were vindicated on that show um, so maybe I, I mean obviously I'm not I wouldn't go as far as to say damaging the sporting integrity. Well, this is the point, isn't it? I think I agree with the premise of your argument, which yeah. is the fact that they, that they have this culture that they want to be a top 26 club. And they, yeah. I think that gives you sort of in the back of your mind a, permiss a permissive sort of culture where it's okay to get relegated. That might take you off the bridle 5% towards the end of it. I don't know. But it comes across to me that it's almost accepting of the fact that, yeah, we're not always going to stay up. We might go down. We, you know, it doesn't really matter to us. But I don't think the words cheating, no. sporting integrity, no. things like that. We're, we're, I mean, you know, they were a little bit provocative, I, I think, maybe. The premise Emotive right. language. Emotive, it was emotive language. Yeah. But listen, listen, what I would say... Have you apologised? Have, you, have no, you said sorry? No, I'm not going to apologise. Credit to the Norwich oh. fans, because they've certainly shown me their passion this week, I would say that. And listen, there have been <laughs> some abusive ones. They, they, they've been blocked, but a lot of Norwich Comical fans Alex. have back with a reasoned <laughs> argument. <laughs> They've shown me their passion. <laughs> oh, dear, oh dear. Do you know what? Uh, Harry Kane needs a PR advisor. I think you could probably get that job, to be fair. Uh, right, thank you very much for your contribution. Um, this weekend, oh, live you. commentary, 12.30 and at 5.30. Two massive games, Arsenal-Manchester City uh, at the Etihad and then Liverpool against Chelsea at 5.30. I'll be doing that one with Trevor Sinclair. And on uh, TalkSport 2 at 3 o'clock, it's West Ham against Crystal Palace. Really good fixtures uh, for your listening pleasure. Download our app. You can swipe between the two stations. All the podcasts are there on the podcast feed as well from wonderful different parts of the station. And make sure you rate and review us. We'll be back on Monday morning when you wake up. Lucy, who we got with us on, on Sunday night for Monday morning's podcast? I haven't booked them. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you haven't told me who you want. Who do you want on? Um, <laughs> Dean Ashton. Well, he's a difficult man to nail down, but I'll try. Okay. Don't get an ex-Norwich player on yet. Striking. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely get <laughs> Dean Ashton. See ya. <laughs> The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.